Hello, my name is Jack Luna, and I'm the former co-creator, host of Monstro and Crime Machine, current co-host of 911 Calls with the Operator, and now I've stumbled home to my original podcast, Dark Topic, a show that covers the darkest stories imaginable in an itchy blanket. If being scared and feeling uncomfortable is your bag of garbage, well then I'm just sitting here, suspiciously beside the road, waiting to be torn loose. Search Dark Topic wherever you listen to podcasts and get started on over 30 archived episodes or jump right into the fray with weekly offerings that are releasing now within Season 3 of Dark Topic. Keep those eyes cocked, those doors locked, stay paranoid, and I hope to talk at you real soon. Thank you. Can we talk something else? Can, can we talk about something else? This is the 911 Calls Podcast with the operator and his trusty junior assistant, Mr. Luma. Nine one one. What's your emergency? Hurry. We don't know if she's breathing or not. She got a hot dog or something stuck in her throat. Hey, Luna. Yes. You're a you're a you're a dad father figure, right? Yes. What? What is it? What would you say? Like in being a dad father. What is the, the what an environment where you feel always really stressed out as a parent, like like a situation or an environment that maybe you're in regularly or try to avoid because your head is like always on a swivel, like where's my kid? What's my kid doing? Yeah, I don't really go out much these days, especially. But I mean, really everywhere. I'm pretty I'm paranoid about everything. If I'm at another person's house and I don't know the other kids that the kids are playing with, I'm peeking my head in the door quite a bit to see if they're, you know, playing funny games under the covers, but playing a little operator, if you know what I mean. They're up. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Right. But I would say, other than that, with the little one, like around stairs, it would be around like a pool or at the beach, definitely, definitely around water. My brother, when we were kids, he he disappeared in the water, I remember, a couple of times. And it's amazing that he, he was found. So I'm always really cognizant around water that sounds cryptic like you said he disappeared in water then he was found yeah (laughs) like lots of people like they get eaten in half by a shark and then they're found so did was he dead when he was found and like you then you then you bought leroy or this a different brother yeah no it's that brother this this is the same brother he would just walk in it's very strange it happened twice i believe where he just walked in a step too deep and went underneath the water and just was standing there like a weirdo. Whoa, that is weird. And then my uh, dad or my mom would see him and like, oh my God, he's, you know, he just stepped into the deeper water and he's just kind of floating there like a, you know, a piece of uh, seaweed. His blonde hair floating about like seaweed or, you know, the bush. That is really weird. Like he just stands there like, what is this new environment that I am in? How unique, how odd and how weird that I just, oh, weird. I can't breathe either. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it was like. I think he didn't like to bother anybody. He was very <laughs> cognizant. Yeah, he didn't want to bother anybody. So he just said, oh, I guess I screwed up and that's it later. <laughs> but uh, so so that is always in my mind. <laughs> never, never you mind. I'm just dying here. Please, go on with your picnic. Yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> yeah. Jeez. Well, I do have one. A place where, like, I'm always on on alert is a pool, swimming pools, with my kids. I also, when I was young, I had a brother. Well, I still have him, but I like to say I had a brother. But I had a brother, and he was in this like totally like 1960s. Like no one had ever thought about it from a safety perspective. Like. George Jetson shaped like foam boat floaty thing that you sit your kid in the middle of. Yeah. This the the, the and then there's like an underwear attached to the bottom of it, so you like <laughs> slide your kid into it. You know, it's like a it's like a net. You know, like a net, and you slide your kid into it. That is one. It's like an inner you know internet. I know. Oh, I know. I know exactly what you're talking about. That's an internet you never want to log on to. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. Um, so anyway, he tipped upside down and the internet just like held him upside down like a, like a radar beacon. And he was just, and so we just saw his feet dangling there in the air, flopping and we got him out and he was like three and he was like, T-dupe, (laughs) T-dupe. He was saying too deep, too deep. (laughs) Okay. So it changed him. It did. It did. It did. It changed me too. Like. Yeah, there were a couple things that happened with him where it like kind of frazzled my brain. Like I got I got PTSD from it. The other time was I was playing Zelda and I was really far along and dinner was ready and I was still playing and he came down and he's like, dinner's ready. And he pulls the plug on the Nintendo. Mm. And so I grab him by the throat, but his throat spasmed and he couldn't breathe. And I'm like, oh crap. <laughs> so like for years I would like watch him sleep to make sure his breathing was there. Oh man! Didn't dry drown, as they say, or, or yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll get into all that. That's not how that works. Not at all. I could I could uh, go back and forth with you with uh, torturing our younger brothers for a while if you want. But do we have, we have a nine one one call or something you want to do? Yeah, we do actually have one. So okay, uh, you ready for? By the way, I heard from some people that are like they hate when I say you're ready for me to hit play. That's weird, huh? Like people like didn't like it. Really? Yeah. I don't like it either. Well, to me, it's like Pavlov's dog thing. Like when I say, yeah. are you ready for me to hit play? Everybody, you know, either, you know, something happens. They climax or they drool or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With that being said, are you ready for me to hit play? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, buddy. <laughs> something just happened there. All right. Here we go. 911, what's your emergency? Yes, we're at a pool and I have a little girl that's uh, she's drowning. She's not breathing. She's trying CPR right now. Okay, where are you at? We're at Lake Lake Uchi Pool. Lake Uchi Pool. Lake Uchi Pool. Yes. Do you know where that is? We're trying to get people on right now. Okay. Hurry! 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 We don't know if she's breathing or not. She's got a hot dog or something stuck in her throat. Okay, so, A, he sounded like Barney Fife. Like, mm. I really am going to try to be more practiced in not being critical where critical is not not due. But uh, you'll, you'll learn about this guy. Okay. You'll learn a little more about him. So, let me ask you this. If you call someone uh, on the 911 and you say, help, help, this is happening. And they're like, where are you? And you say... Lake Coochie Coochie Coo? Yeah. She says, Lake Uchi Pool. It's actually spelled E-U-C-H-A. So that's hmm. that right there. That extends the amount of time that someone's going to take to find you because bad spelling, weird pronunciation. Really bad name. Also, it's a pool near Lake Uchi. 
And like Uchi, you can't swim in, so they have a pool there. All the confusions just start kicking in here. Right. But if that person on the other end, when they said, where are you? And you gave him the address and they asked you, do you know where that is? Yeah. Like he did? Right. Like what? (laughs) Yeah, I know where it is. I'm here. I'm here right now. (laughs) I'm here right now. So just come here. So with with this situation, though, someone's choking on a hot dog. I didn't catch who's choking on a hot dog there. Yeah, I'll break it down for you. So there was a girl in the pool. Her name is Caitlin Brianne Garcia. She's seven years old, and she was attending a family event at this park with her aunt and uncle. So her parents weren't even there, Mm. which once again, man, boy, head on a swivel at pools already. Send my kid with somebody else to a pool, and this kind of thing happens. I, I don't know how you, I don't know how you recover from that. No, I know. Absolutely not. Hey, I don't want to take us too far off track, but when I, when I was younger, my next door neighbor who was six years old went to a river or a little place where they were running sticks underneath a bridge. She went running up onto the road to see the stick go underneath the bridge and got hit by a car. And I babysat her around that time. It could have easily been me there watching them. And uh, she died. And uh, he felt pretty bad about that. I don't know what my point is there. Just I thought I'd throw that in there for a sec. I think when we have nephews and nieces and friends, kids and stuff, you you just think, oh, yeah, well, they can strive with us. It's fun. But you never really think about the impact that could have if a catastrophe happens, you know. And boy, can you imagine coming like coming home, just coming back without the, without the kid? And they're like, where's uh, where's she at? It's like, well, she got hit by a car. Your, 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 your little girl's dead. Yeah. Who do you call them or do you let the police call them? I mean, there's a whole lot of dynamics. Boy, just a crazy situation. Wouldn't I, I got to say, though, wouldn't happen. I, you always like to say wouldn't happen to me. I remember saying that to myself like that wouldn't happen to me if if I had been there, there's no way that I would have like let her let her go. But kids just take off sometimes, and sometimes kids shove a hot dog down when you're not looking. It doesn't take long. So, anyways, go ahead. Seven or or eating in the yep. pool. You know that that was probably what was happening. She was just the last bite of food. She got in the pool, and Oof. when you're in water, your body knows when to not breathe or take a breath and stuff, and add food to that and. You got a confusing situation. I'm hoping that the I'm hoping that the hot dog worked like a plug here and didn't let any water in, and they just got to pop that hot dog out. Keep going. I'm interested. Yeah. So her body was discovered on the bottom of the pool in about uh, nine feet of water. Ugh. I'm going to give you some timestamps here because they're they're really important. At 4:24 p.m. Remember that time. A woman, the one that you heard on the call, makes a call to Montgomery County 911. You can hear her say, we are doing CPR on her right now. But then you hear her say, hurry, we don't know if she's breathing or not. She has a hot dog or something stuck in her throat. Mm. So here's the first bit of information about dispatcher. The 911 dispatcher had given his two weeks notice prior to this accident. Oh. So this brings us something that I wanted to cover really quick. Have you ever heard of the term compassion fatigue? No. All right. I haven't, but I think I know what it means. But go ahead. Yeah, let me break it down for you. It's something we've all experienced, but we really didn't know. So Katrina, remember when Katrina happened in basically New Orleans, which is geologically, it's just a big cereal bowl. Mm-hmm. It just filled up with water because all the, you know, the dams and things didn't hold. Yeah, the levees. Don't they call them levees? The levees, right. I didn't know this, but levees are built based on years. So they call it like a 10-year levee or a 100-year levee or a 100-year dam. It's it's indicating how strong or how resilient that obstacle is to the size of water coming at it. Hmm. There are some countries that do it really brilliantly, and we never really had their assistance in building the ones for New Orleans. We just kind of took the... Uh, Chevy to the levee? Even when it was dry. Hmm. Okay, so 
you watch the news about Katrina, right? When it happens and all the horrors that the storm caused, right? You hear the media talk about rich versus poor and black versus white and humans versus pets and the anger at FEMA or the government or police officers. And you kind of join in and you try to find someone to blame because it, it helps focus our senses of alarm, you know, about a seemingly endless string of just horrific incidents that are brought on all in one instant, you know. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. I mean, and you could probably remember 9-11 was another one where the tragedy was just this flood and the, the amount of catastrophe was just almost incomprehensible. So people try to find their bearings and oftentimes they find their bearings by pointing to people and saying, you, you, you should be doing more or look, this is happening and it's very much a racial thing. You know, so they, they try to comfort themselves right. by finding someone to kind of ground them sure. based on their own set of values. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Weary from like all the anger that would come on with this, you seek out some good in the world, you know, oftentimes like you find stories of people helping people or black and white working together, rich people donating or police being heroes. You you seek those stories out. And sometimes the media leaks those things out, you know, because they're like, man, we this can't all be terrible. There's got to be some some silver lining on this cloud. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But then. You sound like you have compassion fatigue all of a sudden. Yeah, I got. To, I forgot to breathe. That's what was <laughs> happening. I was like, I'm in a breathing. You almost passed out. So then, you know, then you start to privately think, I'm not doing enough. I could do more. I'm just sitting here. So you kind of feel guilty about everything you're going through. You feel more or less powerless or resourceless, uh, you know, for your guilt. It's It's just becomes heavy. You know, like, sure. Like, I'm just sitting here on my couch. Right. But you can't say anything about your guilt because that would sound petty. Like, what do you have to feel sorry about? Right. I mean, all these people are in a giant water bowl that used to be a city. Right. And people are dying. And what do you what do you have to be guilty about or sorry about? Mm-hmm. So you kind of shut your feelings down and you start feeling bad about feeling bad. Gotcha. Yeah. OK. And that is just one incident of compassion fatigue. Right. I understand. Yeah, I get that a lot. I mean, uh, with uh, school shootings or just shootings in general, there was one in Nova Scotia yesterday. And normally back in, say, the 90s, if something like that happened, I would be glued to the television for days watching the developments. And this happened and I was kind of like, eh, you know, I got an I've seen, I've seen this. But yeah, or you just don't want to go around again because it was just so emotional. You don't want to, you, you know, you don't want to deal with it. I think partially because there's just been such a dearth of information, but the Las Vegas shootings were sort of like that. It was so massive and so unexplained and that we just kind of turned it off. Is compassion fatigue very similar to apathy then? Or it could be, becomes apathy uh, maybe after some time, or if you're a sociopath, I don't know. Yes, I would say that apathy is a byproduct of compassion fatigue because, okay, here's a more relatable example that we've all experienced. When you put in your notice that you're going to leave a job, right. you've all had this experience where you kind of pull your foot off the gas, maybe just a little, you know, if not completely, mm-hmm. while you wait out your time. Knowing that the company, it's not going to burn down if you don't give 100% for the last two weeks, you know? Yeah. Uh, you might feel kind of nostalgic and you want to connect with coworkers before you leave. But you leave the work out of it and you just let that kind of slide, right? Mm-hmm. Plus, who can blame you for wanting to stuff down the stress of the job and just kind of ride that one out, right? <laughs> okay, off. So what are you trying to say here? So this guy has compassion fatigue on the line is what you're trying to say, right? That's what I'm getting at is this. 
is I struggle with this because I think in some jobs, compassion fatigue should not even be a factor. Like it should not even be an opportunity. Okay. Like, right. Really, you can give two weeks notice as a 911 dispatcher. Right. But I don't want to doubt that there are dispatchers out there that will just ride it to the end, you know, and they're just, they're the best, the last day of the job as they were, you know, on the best day of the job. Hmm. But we're humans, you know, and, and that fatigue is something that's almost unavoidable. I almost wonder, like, what do you think? Should there be certain jobs that don't allow for a two weeks notice? I don't know. But I, I think I agree with you. What I would like to do is hear some more of this call. Yeah. To hear to hear exactly what you're talking about. Because now that you've explained that, I want to hear it more in his voice. I didn't know that the first time around. So that's, can we hear some more right now? Yeah. You ready? I'll, re- I'll hit play around. Are you ready? <laughs> I'm ready, buddy. I, I kind of mixed it up right <laughs> you did. there. I didn't say, are you ready for me to hit play? <laughs> right. Yeah, that was smooth. Thanks. Appreciate it. All right. Here we go. Yes, yes, Jay. Yeah, I'm sorry, I got the wrong number. We need somebody here now. I'm trying to get a hold of an ambulance, but man, trying to do the best. I'm trying to do the best I can. Yeah, this is nine one one Delaware. Need an ambulance at Uchi Pool. Okay. So let me break this down for you. So the first number I gave you was four twenty four, right? Four twenty four p.m. Right. Five minutes into this call is what you just heard. Him. So the dispatcher is overheard making several blunders, including misdialing the telephone number for the City of J Police Department, which is the local police department for the Uchi Pool. You heard him say, "Yes, uh, is this J?" That is him calling the wrong number Uh. like every second is counting and this guy is literally at five minutes into this phone call he's still dialing wrong numbers right more minutes have to go by before the dispatcher is able to reach the police department to get anyone sent out Hmm. the national average for fire or ambulance and ems units to be notified about an incident is about 60 seconds or less oof Upon reaching the police at 4.30, six minutes into this call, fire, ambulance, and rescue units were dispatched immediately, according to the department's radio log. At 4.36, a sheriff's deputy who heard the page on his car radio arrived at the scene. The J ambulance arrived at 4.42. Okay. Okay. So that's rough. Especially especially if we're dealing with, uh, you know, she can't breathe. Anybody giving her CPR? Or try, have they got the hot dog out yet? Is the hot dog still lodged in her throat? Well, they're giving her CPR, but if it's old school CPR, you can imagine what they're dealing with with a hot dog in the middle. Right. They, they could be resuscitating the heart. Right. But if they're trying to give breath, they're just wedging that hot dog down further. Have you ever had to give the Heimlich maneuver? I don't know the rule. I should know this. I've had to give it before myself too, but not to someone who's limp and passed out like that. I, I, I'm going to sound really stupid here, but my assumption uh, is if she's unconscious, that it would her throat would relax at that point, and maybe the hot dog loosens in some way, and they could get it out easier, shove it down, pull it. I don't know. Do you know? Well, yes. So in the case of the Heim- Heimlich remover, it, it is used remover. because the body tenses up around. Did I say? What did I say? Well, you're the op. Don't worry about it. You screw up all the time. It doesn't matter. You said the Heimlich recliner. Remover, you said. Oh, I meant... Sorry. I'm so sorry. I I meant Heimlich maneuver. Right. Okay. So with the Heimlich maneuver, the body 
has a tendency to tense up around whatever is choking. I gotcha. Okay. So that force is what's necessary. Oftentimes with children and infants, in a, in a situation where they cho- they're choking, there's actually the this, this sweep method, the finger sweep. So yes. you know, to sweep, mm-hmm. none of these things are, are a surefire. There's, there's risk involved with all of them. But the people on on scene were trying their best to do CPR. It was going to be a harrowing experience. Right. And the but the hot dog, from what you know, was still in her throat when they're trying to do. Yes. Wow. Oh man, this is rough. Twenty minutes of this. Yeah. In a situation like that, as we've heard on other calls, like you listen to the dead air in a nine one one call, and you get nervous, thinking something's got to be happening right now, right? I know. Now, can you imagine six minutes going by no. and nothing happening? It's forever. So during the telephone call, you can hear a J Police Department dispatcher being asked why rescue units hadn't been sent out yet. Mm-hmm. And this dispatcher said, we're trying to. Oh, yeah. It's just a whole mess. Oh, I have a bad feeling now. So she, so did the little girl pass away? She's seven years old, choking here. What happened? Yes, she passed away. So after this incident, the Delaware County Sheriff opened a probe into incidents like this because there was a rash of incidents in Delaware County where this same thing was happening, where they were getting ineffective responses to emergencies. I wish I could say this was the only occurrence of someone drowning in this kind of situation, not to mention other emergencies that failed to receive treatment in time. But this became a very big problem for Delaware County that they had to resolve globally. Man, so that's it. So this seven-year-old girl chokes in a hot dog. They find her nine feet below at the bottom of a pool. Pulled her out. They're attempted CPR. The dispatcher blows it. Doesn't get help there an appropriate amount of time, and the little girl passes away. Yep. Okay. One of the reasons that I wanted to bring that up was because of kind of what was heavy on my heart during that one is that is that fact that some professions I don't believe should have two weeks' notice. It just doesn't seem to jive with the requirements of the job, the rigor of the job. You know. Right. I agree. I agree. I feel kind of bad for the operator, too. He sounded like uh, he probably felt pretty bad about that. Yes. Okay. For sure. I mean, who wouldn't, right? I'd love to say he was doing his best. But here's another thing, and this is something that if you're a 911 dispatcher listening to this podcast, please make a mention in the comments as to what would really go on here. But when the dispatcher is that that far out of resources, Mm -hmm. is there any kind of team up? scenario that happens in the dispatch office like this guy's struggling i mean are other people scrambling to try to help yeah at some point is there like an orange flag that they raise and they're like i need help i can't do this on my own you know and like a manager comes over and they kind of tag team the whole thing because he just seemed to be completely out of his depth one of my best friends out here is he's a paramedic and he did the 911 thing for a while and i was going to do it too but i didn't end up going for it Unfortunately, because it would have really helped with this podcast, giving me some more credibility because I'm getting trashed (laughs) for some of the stuff I'm saying, but I'm going to keep saying it. But he said that. He said, I remember having that conversation with him. It's kind of like a sales room. And that's why I brought that up in a past episode. Like they they do collaborate at times and lend information and help. Um, I live out in a pretty desolate area. So when a call comes in, you know, there's all hands on deck. There'd be two or three people in there and they're all kind of collaborating on that call. Um, I don't know how busy this particular area is. And you said this is Delaware where it happened. I don't know how uh, condensed the, the population is in this particular area. If they're burned out or if they're uh, just a little dopey from not receiving calls at any given time. 
Do you know? There's a whole investigation that was done、mm-hmm. to close the loop on, on these calls, having extremely extensive lengths between the call happening and, and resources arriving. Yeah. As you can imagine, it becomes a very political thing、oh, for、sure. very quickly. But I will say that the sheriff's department of Delaware County became very transparent. They, they wanted to make sure that people knew they recognized the issue and that they were、Good. doing everything they could to resolve it. I wish I could say that that helps enough for those that suffered during the time before. Can you imagine、Gosh. how infuriating that must be. Yeah. Like the, I know we've already talked a lot about it, but to be standing there on the phone and 20 minutes goes by, you don't see an ambulance. Where's the lifeguard at? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they were trying stuff, like you said, but、uh, it'd be nice to have、uh, some help within 20 minutes when, when a little kid's choking like that or, and not breathing. Brutal. Absolutely brutal, buddy. What else you got? To cleanse the palate on that one, I've got one here. So just a heads up some of the calls on this show might have made headlines, even national headlines. And some people might be like, oh, I've heard this one. But we always work to find something that you didn't know. On each call, even if you think you've heard it before. So, this next call got some attention for how unique it was. But beyond that, you think you might know about this call. There's always more to the story, and there is definitely more to this story. So,、mm-hmm. you ready for me to,、uh, to hit play? Yeah, fire away. Here we go. Right after a quick commercial break, we go to pay the bills. All right, here we go. 911. I would like to order a pizza. You called 911 to order a pizza? Uh, yeah. This is the wrong number to call for a pizza. No, 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 no. You're not. I'm getting you now. What apartment? Is the other guy still there? Yeah. I need a large pizza. Alright. How about medical? You need medical? No, with pepperoni. Alright. We'll get him going. Thank you. Domestic violence. Turn your sirens off before you get there. Caller ordered a pizza. And agreed with everything I said that there's domestic violence going on. Awesome. That was, that was awesome, man. That's pretty crazy. That, that、uh, dispatcher was friggin' sharp. Sharp, man. Loved it. Dialed in. I loved that. So, that was Tiffany Urban, who thought quickly on her feet to ask for help in a subtle way. So, dispatchers and law enforcement don't recommend that you try this trick. Not because it doesn't work, but in the off chance that the dispatcher like, might think it's just a prank. Yeah, well, what, what, do, what do they suggest? What do they suggest? On the off chance that the dispatcher thinks it's a prank, they might hang up, and that just extends the period of time and chance. That you could get help. That's with no risk comes no reward, right? I mean, you're in, a, you're in a situation, she's taking a chance because she has to, right? Because of, you know, the, the risk that she's in if they know that she's calling for 911. So she's taking a risk. You got to hope. You got to roll the dice. She's rolling the dice. She is. And if, and if the guy finds if she's more obvious, then she's going to get killed possibly. So that's just the situation. Exactly. And that's kind of the organic nature of 911 calls and the way that they're received. You know, we've heard of all these different. Tactics that people have. Like, if you can't say anything, dial five.、Yeah. And how that could be fraught with risk, too. There's all these scenarios where they try, because they need to make it very easy for me as a freaked out person calling 911 to know what are my options.、Mm-hmm. I need to know if I can't say anything, what can I do? If I can I be cryptic?、Uh, you know, what, what options do I have to make sure that you get the point? Hoping that I haven't had a dispatcher that, you know, has a high level of apathy or. Or is, is the type who, you know, when you, you're trying. 
trying to like hint at something in front of someone else. They're like, what? They're like, or you, you kick them with your foot. And they're like, what are you kicking me for? What? I didn't know. I didn't know. What? I didn't know. You know, that guy. That- oh, you're keeping secrets? What are you keeping secrets from him for? Why are eyebrows going up and down like that? Why are you winking at me? <laughs> yeah. You know, those people. So Oregon dispatcher Tim Tenike, uh received this call back in November of 2019. And he was really quick to catch on to what was happening. So Tiffany Urban, she was in the bad predicament. She called 911 to help her mother, who was being abused by 56-year-old Simon Lopez, who he's now in jail for this domestic violence situation. So although law enforcement doesn't recommend trying to order a pizza, they do see this as a valuable example of what people can do with their loved ones. So for example, come up with a code word. You know, in this case, it was pizza, let's say. And share that code work with a few close friends or family members. And when you communicate that code word to them, they will know that you need help and can't call for help on your own. Seems like a really smart move. I mean, have you ever thought uh, we've all probably have safe words, you know, pork chop sandwiches. <laughs> I feel like we talked about this in a past episode. Remember I was telling you about how with my kids I would, or with my my uh, fiance, I'd swear a, right. or a lot or something. Yeah. More so than I normally would. Or So yeah, no, that's that's great advice. The ones where we talked about before was getting your kids aware of a code word. Right. Make it something that if I need someone to go pick my daughter up, for example. Oh, yeah, right. She says, what's the code word? If she doesn't know who that person is or she's uncomfortable. They don't know it, you don't go. But this is interesting because this is like, consider it's like communication between two adults. Imagine calling me on the phone and being like, hey, op, uh, I just wanted to follow up on our meeting yesterday at the Hilton. And we didn't go to the Hilton. <laughs> so I know that you had told me, hey, if I ever talk about the Hilton, you know I'm in trouble, send help. And then I then I send those horse horse police that you have in Canada. <laughs> You're right. Uh, what I was going to say was like the, the police not recommending trying to order a pizza is good advice for, for a different reason for me. And it's like, it's already been tried. Right. So if, if you're in a dangerous situation and this guy might be aware of that and you used to go to order a pizza, he's like, oh, you're trying that thing that that other woman trying her, her guy, right? I think you just, you just got to be street smart, sly. Not everybody's going to be able to pull this off. This woman, the way that she did it, she did it very well. She was, yes. not everybody can pull this off. Of course they can't broadcast to everybody. This is the code word for 911 if you're in trouble because then the bad guys hear that code word too. I went through a I went through a concealed carry course one time. They talk about living in kind of a code yellow sort of awareness, which is that you are aware of your surroundings to the point that should something happen that you feel not out of sorts, that you don't just go into panic mode, that you're you're kind of aware. Like, if you remember watching The Born Identity, that movie? Yeah. And that one scene where he goes into the diner with the girl and he's like, why do I know that the guy over there is carrying? And why do I know that I could run for a half a mile without stopping at all? Why do I know those things? That's like, that's living in the code yellow, like being aware of your surroundings enough to be able to stay composed should something out of the ordinary start happening. I thought right there you were starting to do a code because something horrible had happened to you there. I thought you said, you remember that Born Identity movie and it goes into the Hilton? And I'm like, oh, shit. Uh-oh. Yeah, it did, right? Yeah. What ha- what's happening to the op right now? Exactly. You Okay, our code word between us, buddy, is hmm. if I say... Hot dog butt plug. Yeah, if I say hot dog butt plug, then you know... 
you know to send EMS. Right. If I say scrambled eggs on a Christus, Ooh. then you know to send <laughs> life flight. Oh my God. <laughs> I don't understand your sense of humor sometimes. I don't understand my own sense of humor either. All right, so... Is that is this it? No, there's more to the story. And I wish ah oh, this one's an interesting palate cleanser because right there, man, she was street smart. She did the right thing. The dispatcher caught it. Just about a month after making this call to save her mother, Tiffany had to get emergency help of her own. She suffered cardiac arrest at her home and was taken to the hospital and put on life support. She was pronounced dead two days later. But her family's hoping that people will help her to live on by following her example. Make sure the family and friends watch out for each other and are quick to help. She leaves behind quite a legacy with her life-saving efforts on her mom's behalf. She was also a donor. So even in death, she went out bringing hope and second chances to others. So that's pretty touching, I think. It is. No, it definitely is. That's a, that's a twist there at the end. You know, when I read that, when I when I was doing the research and I read that, it reminded me I had a friend who died. He was a football player, actually. He was going to be going pro. And um, he was out at this reservoir. And he, the reservoir, as you know how reservoirs work, their, their, their depth is constantly changing because the reservoir is letting water out to, you know, to the towns below. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to tell, but he was up on the bridge and the reservoir level was down from where it normally was. And so he decided to jump because uh, people jumped into the reservoir from the bridge all the time. But the total distance was about 160 feet. <sighs> and he hit the he hit the uh, the water going 120 miles an hour. And at that speed, water doesn't get out of your way. It's like hitting cement. Mm-hmm. So it pushed all the air out of his body and they had to drag the bottom of the reservoir to find him. But I remember something at his funeral, um, several people told stories about like what he would do. And, and I remember there was a gentleman at the very end that said, if there's anything that you could do to help them live the legacy of, of, of him live on, take something, take something that he did and try to take it into your life. And so he never would let anyone sit on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. He always helped regardless. And so I took that and, you know, I, I try to do that all the time, even if sometimes it's, you know, seems out of the way and I have to take an exit and come back onto the freeway to get to the person. I really do try to be that person that shows up and I'll probably end up being killed someday for it. Yeah. You know, but. Yeah, no, that's nice, though. I, I really like that. Yeah, I understand that. You know, take some example like Tiffany, you know, let's all let's all let's all stop this episode when we're done and go and talk to our our loved ones, friends, wives, husbands, whoever, set up some code words. Set up some code words, yeah. Because you never know. All right, well. All right. It's been a slice. Nice slice. <laughs> that was a good one. That was half a joke. Half and half. There was pineapple on that joke. <laughs> there was. All right. Have a good night. Hugs, everyone. The 911 Calls Podcast is an 1159 media production hosted by the operator and his junior assistant to the operator, Mr. Luna. Produced by the operator and supported by friends like you. Help us keep the lights on by supporting us on Patreon, gossiping about the show, and throwing us a rating or review wherever you listen to podcasts. Until the next call, hugs. Hugs.